Good morning, City Hill. Good to see all your smiling faces. Love that uh, in the video, it talks about the hope we have in Jesus. How many are you, of you are glad this morning for the hope? The hope we have in Christ. Um, there's a scripture that I love out of Romans chapter 8, the end of the chapter. It says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through, those, through him who loved us. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor any other thing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to talk this morning about Oneness, about togetherness, and about separation. Uh, just something that uh, none of you know, but just I got a text just prior to service that, um, I don't know if you know that Natalie's mother, Natalie Johnson Lee, her mother was in surgery down at Mayo Clinic. Um, yesterday she came through the surgery, but this morning things went south for her. And she is in the presence of the Lord, just probably about a half hour ago. And Natalie's down at Mayo, and she's been texting us back and forth. And I love our sister. I feel for her loss. They were just at my house for some prayer on Wednesday. And you look at life. This isn't my sermon, but here you go. Yeah. You look at life and you realize just how fragile our life is. I mean, here's this lady at her house laughing, talking, praying Wednesday night. Sunday morning, she's in the presence of the Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. She is not separated. In fact, she's probably closer experiencing the love of God in a way that she's only ever dreamed of. But it, it's hard for us sometimes. It's hard for me just thinking, dear Lord, she was in my house Wednesday. And she was fully fine, she, I mean, to me. But her heart was in a bad situation, and um, she didn't come through it. And I am just realized that the life is challenging, isn't it? We have a lot of things going on in this world, which, if I can transition from that, um, we're also walking through in our nation and in our world what's going on in Afghanistan. And just following it, sometimes I can't even, don't want to follow it, trying to imagine the horrors that are going on in that nation for those who are trying to get out, the 10,000 plus Americans who are trying to figure out what their next step is, the Afghans who desperately are looking for ways to save their lives, who are living in a nightmare. And we need the Lord. And I think what I just want to say before we pray for Afghanistan is in the fragility of this life and the shortness of this life, whether you live to be a hundred or not, um, hundred be a long life, right? But when you get to be 97, you go, it just goes by quickly. Let's have our life, 
our relationship with God and our relationship with others. Let's put them in order. Don't wait. Don't go, well, I'll do that next month. I'll do that next year. Not today. I'm not really ready. For... Get ready. Live with your affairs in order because life is fragile. And it's a crazy world we live in. And we sit here in the beauty of Eden Prairie worshiping the Lord. And it, let me just say it's a privilege for us to be here. Every single one of you. It's a privilege for us to be here in peace, in freedom. It's a privilege that we have. And let's take advantage of the privileges that God has given us. Not simply to feel good. Praise the Lord for feeling good but to use what God has given us for his glory, for his kingdom. Weighing the days because the days are short. I want to pray for Afghanistan this morning before we get to the message. Father, um, you are the God who is with us in happy times, in party times, and in times of great grief. Father, there are people around the world who are struggling greatly in personal issues. We lift up our dear sister Natalie this morning. Thank you, God, for the peace that is surrounding her even right now. God, be with her. Comfort her. We lift her up to you this morning. We thank you that her mother was in love with you and has transitioned, and she's with her husband, and she's with her Savior. And We thank you for her life. Father, we also lift up the crisis happening in Afghanistan. Father, oftentimes we don't know what to do, but God, our eyes are on you, and we ask God that you would intervene in thousands of situations, Lord, intervene, protect those who are in danger, blind the eyes of the evil one, Lord. Father, I pray that you would even just rip off the facade over Islam and that people would see you, Lord Jesus. Father, the same God that revealed himself to Paul or Saul on the road is the same God that can reveal himself to so many Afghans who are in need of a Savior. Father, we ask your presence there to help bring peace to a land that is in chaos. We look to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, our chapter that we're looking through is Acts chapter 10. Uh, what I felt of the Lord this summer was, as often as possible, be preaching through the book of Acts and let Acts speak to us. Oftentimes, I'll speak on a theme, the way I like to preach. But this summer, I felt like, let's Acts come and bring the themes to us, see what the Word of God wants to speak to us this morning. I've really enjoyed this a lot. We're in chapter 10 of the book of Acts. If you remember, at this place, this juncture in Acts, the New Testament church is growing rapidly. There were 5,000 and many more. So you have thousands of new believers coming into the church. Now Jesus has left the leadership of this new organization, this new church in the hands of what I love to call the Motley Crew. This group of very normal people who love Jesus and are trying to figure out what to do. 
But he didn't just trust them. He was trusting in the Holy Spirit in them. Going, I know that with the Holy Spirit in you, together we can do this. And this group of people, you ever sometimes felt like, well, God can't use me. I'm just a pretty normal person. I mean, I'm really nothing special. How can God use me? Well, those are the people that God loves. He loves to take just common people to show his glory through you, through me. And the disciples had been transformed by the Spirit, filled with power. Those who had hid, who had fled, are now publicly proclaiming that Jesus Christ is the Lord, without fear. They realize they could be killed any day. They're putting their lives on the line. And miracles are happening through their lives, not just through Jesus, but miracles are happening as the Holy Spirit flows through them. And a key player in all of this is one of my favorite characters in the Bible, Peter. Anybody relate to Peter? Peter is the impetuous one. Remind you of who Peter is. He was, remember, he was a fisherman. And at the Lord's invitation, he was the one that stepped out of the boat. Now, some of those may criticize him because he started to sink. But they were all in the boat. And I find that sometimes people like to criticize those who take the risk while they sit back. But Peter was that guy who said, beckon me, Lord, and the Lord invited him, and he stepped out, and he got to walk on water. That's that Peter. Peter who cut off the ear of the servant, trying to defend Jesus from an army. He, he's slashing away. That's Peter. Peter who denied Christ in his time of great need. It's Peter who said, I don't know the man. That guy. Peter who had been called Simon the Reed. Simon meant the, the flowing, unstable reed. Now is called Peter the Rock. That Peter. He's now giving leadership to the new church. So we find Peter in Joppa, and he's waiting for lunch to be prepared. You ever waited for lunch? You're hungry, kind of want a snack, but you're not supposed to snack before you eat, right? So Peter's up on the roof, he's hungry, and he goes there for some fresh air and to pray while he waits for the meal. Acts chapter 10, and I read verse 10, while they were preparing lunch, Peter fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him that said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that's common or unclean. The voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once into heaven. So here's Peter. He's waiting for lunch, has this incredible vision of God, and he's trying to figure it out. See, Peter was a Jew, and the Jewish law strictly prohibited 
the eating of certain animals, what we call non-kosher animals, which were considered unclean. There were dietary laws that the Jews lived by, and they held very strictly to these laws, the laws that had been given by God to Moses. It's a long list. You want to look it up? You can look it up in Leviticus chapter 11. It goes through, you can eat this, you can't eat this. This is good, this is not good, given by God. They were not to eat pork. They were not to eat vultures, nor eagles, not camels. They couldn't eat rabbits or catfish, rock badgers, lizards. There was a whole long list. These are things you are not to eat. And here in Peter's vision, God is instructing Peter to rise and eat these animals. Now, this was a major problem for Peter. He's a Jew. He's grown up in Jewish teaching, and here God is telling him to rise and eat these unclean animals. So, so what's Peter supposed to do? He loves the Lord. In his heart, he wants to say, yes, Lord. Whatever you tell me, yes, Lord. But his deep culture, his training, his Jewish understanding says, no way. I can't do this. So he was at an impasse. I don't eat unclean animals. And three times the Lord challenged him, rise, kill, and eat. Three times he said, not going to happen. And then it was gone. I imagine that Peter thought that God was testing him. Testing him to see if he would sin. Testing him to see if he would break the rules. But he really wasn't sure what was going on here. I think Peter felt like probably when the sheet went up, he was a bit confused, but he thought, well, I stayed true to the rules. I didn't do something wrong, but why was God asking that of me? Can you imagine the tension? If you felt like God was asking you to do something that the Bible said not to do, it's a tough situation. And Peter said no. But here's the spoiler in this little movie. The spoiler is Peter's vision was not really about dietary regulations at all. It just looked like it. But it was not about, hey, Peter, go have yourself some bacon. You ever tried a pork chop? Oh, man, we have got good times for you now. That was not about that. That wasn't even the topic that God was dealing with. This vision was God's way of opening Peter's heart to something much, much bigger. Something far more important than what he could eat or not eat. Remember last week I talked about God was the master box blower upper? He's got that big switch and he loves to blow up your boxes. I don't know about you, but I don't always like my boxes blown up. I like to get a grip on the world, understand it, have it all figured out, and put God into this box that I can control. But God is not, nor by you. And it was blowing up Peter's boxes here. So let's go back a little further. Way back in the day of Abraham... God chose the nation of Israel, which didn't even really exist yet, except in God's heart, 
to be his chosen people. Genesis 12, 1 says to Abraham, I will make of you a great nation. The Lord was looking ahead to the nation of Israel that would come through Abraham. Jump to Deuteronomy 14, 2. Now Israel exists and he says to them, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the people on the face of the earth. So Israel's going, wow, all these nations, and God chose me. We're pretty special, aren't we? We are God's chosen people. They believed this. They heard this. They sang this. That they were God's special people, and they believed it, but possibly they took it too seriously. I'll explain. So the Jews believed that they were special, that they were ex exclusively loved by God, and that God would only work through them because they were his chosen people. And that other nations, therefore, were not as loved by God. That others, the non-Jews, were inferior. They were less than the Jews because God had chosen the Jews. The Jews were blessed, others were not. They forbid intermarrying. They called others, particularly Samaritans, their lovely name for the Samaritans, which were other than were the dogs. Kind of gives you an idea of the race that would have existed between Jew and Gentile. Involvement with non-Jews was prohibited for fear of becoming contaminated or unclean. So you could not, you were not to go through their lands, you were not to go into their homes, you were not to sit down and eat a meal, you were separated from them. It, was, it resulted in a form of spiritual racism, which was a huge barrier. There was a massive barrier between the Jews and the Gentiles. Let me say very clearly, this was not the heart of God. It came from an understanding, but an understanding that got distorted, and this was not God's plan. Israel was not chosen by God at the exclusion of other nations. Israel was chosen to showcase the glory of God and to bring his salvation, therefore, to the nations of the world, which were all created in the image of God. It's not like you have one group that's image bearers and one group that's not. All nations created in the image of God. Genesis 12, the next verse, 2 and 3, and I will make of you, this is God speaking to Abraham, a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. See, God wanted to bless Abraham so that through Abraham he could bless the nations. I'll bless those who bless you. Him that dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families, the ethnos, all the nations of the world shall be blessed. So God's plan was to choose Israel, bless Israel, and through Israel bless all the nations of the world, all made in his image. That's God's heart. I want to shift to one more story here. Jesus in the temple, remember where Jesus got mad? 
I like that story. I like that he got, he got ticked off in the temple, but sometimes I think we misunderstand what was really going on. Jesus goes into the temple, and the temple courts that surrounded was where the foreigners could come. So when Gentiles, like most of us, came to find out about Jehovah God, they could come to the temple and they could buy animals to sacrifice and they could choose to follow Jehovah. But what happened was, instead of it being a place of prayer and a place where the nations could come and hear about God, it had turned into a market where they would sell the doves and the sheep and whatever the foreigners would buy. And not only would they sell it to them, but then they would jack up the prices. You ever travel overseas? Somehow your prices double. People know you don't know. People know you don't know what that should cost, and so they charge you more. I got used to this in the DR where people would just charge you more because I was white, and we started to call that skin tax. It costs you more because you're a foreigner. And Jesus hated that. I hated that too, but Jesus hated that. And we see him looking and say, this court is to be a place where the nations can come and be blessed and hear about the Father's love. Come into relationship with Jehovah and you're ripping them off here in the market. And it so infuriated Christ that he had a whip, he drove out the animals, he overturned the tables all in passion for that the glory of God would go to the nations of the world. That is the heart of God. Jesus says, is it not written, my house will be called the house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of robbers. Rather than Israel using their blessing, their privilege to bless surrounding nations, they use their blessed position to steal from foreign. And it made Jesus really angry. And God's heart is that all nations would know the Lord. When you're praying for Afghanistan, you can pray with confidence that the heart of God is that they would come to know the Lord. They would come to put their trust in Christ. Part of my prayer this morning is that things would be revealed the evil of where Islam has taken people, the Taliban, to do such cruel things that Christ would be lifted up somehow. And I don't know how, but I think God's able to figure that one out, right? That Christ would be revealed. Because God was breaking down the walls God wants to break down the walls that divide. I want to say that again. The walls that divide, God wants to break down. Galatians 3.28. I love this verse. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Well, there sure was. There was Jewish camp and Greek camp. And, but Paul's saying here, no. In Christ, as we come together in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek 
neither slave nor free. Wow, that barrier between slaves and their masters, slave or free, Paul says, nope, not anymore. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Say one in Christ with me. One in Christ. Christ breaks down the walls that separate us. First of all, he breaks down the wall, the most important wall that separates us from God. There is a wall that separates us, and Christ has come to abolish that wall. We speak of that, these walls as the walls of hostility. Our hostility against God, Christ comes and wipes that out. And our hostility that divides us from each other, in Christ those walls come down. Christ breaks down every wall that tries to separate us. See, we live in a world of great division, don't we? There's division almost everywhere you look. And may I say this is nothing new. It didn't start last 10 years, didn't start in America. Division walls are everywhere, every nation you go to, because it's in our human nature. We build walls to protect ourselves. We build walls to elevate ourselves or to try to make ourselves feel better or advance. We step on other people. We talk about a dog-eat-dog world. Human nature is basically selfish. You ever know that? If you ever doubted that human nature is selfish, have kids. That's why this program is going to be really good. I mean, we're, we're super excited about this parenting program because kids are wonderful. I have three granddaughters. I love these girls. They're the most beautiful girls in the world. They're wonderful. And you hang out with them a little bit, and you go, wow, that sweet little girl, why did she just smack her sister across the head? She's just sitting there nice and... Bang! And you go, whoa, where did that come from? Same place that comes in your heart. We're, we're basically, we are people that need a Savior. Amen. And in our human nature, walls are built. But division and hatred are never God's ways. It's not the plan of God. God's plan is to reconcile the world to himself, first and foremost. And his plan is to bring this world together in Christ, which is the only way we can really come together. Breaking down the walls that divide, up, divide us, blowing up the divisions and the prejudice, because Christ's salvation is for all. It is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The plan and the heart of God for any who do not know Christ is that they would come to know Christ as their Savior. I like that statement that it's level ground at the foot of the cross. It's level ground at the foot of the cross. As I've been reading through this chapter, I felt the Lord would have me bring it home to a current topic that's going on today. And I'd like to talk a little bit about critical race theory. 
with fear and trepidation. One of the things, the reason I say fear and trepidation is because as we talk about, I'll talk about what that is if you have no idea of that term. I think the first time I heard that term was this year. But whenever you talk about anything along racial lines, it feels like whatever words you say are somehow wrong. And so what that does to us, not just me, to us, is it silences us. And we kind of learn, shut up and keep your head down. Which the more I look at it, the more I go, that's not the right answer. So let's voyage in and talk about this. Critical race theory called CRT. It's in the news every day. If you look at it, if you know what you're looking for, it's right there in the news. It's being taught in our universities, in our schools, our elementary schools, kindergartens. It's blowing up in school board meetings. It is, sadly, it's become a major point of decision in many churches. Now, you may be going, what the heck's he talking about? Try to explain a little bit. It's called critical race theory, and I am not an expert in this. But I have done some reading, and there's some things that I think are important for us to know as followers of Jesus Christ. Let me just start by saying whenever I talk about something that I think is off or not biblical, there's reasons these movements rise to the surface. And some of them are good reasons. Some of them start with good motivations. I want to talk about that. Talk about the things that I see good in critical race theory. But by doing that, please hear me clearly. I am not pro-critical race theory, but I see some good things in it. Let me say some of those. I see a concern for those who have been oppressed, compassion for those who have suffered due to racism, and a passion to fight for justice for those who have suffered injustice. And I think for all those things, we'd all say amen. Amen. We want to, we as Blessed of God are called to show kindness, generosity to the poor, speak for those who can't speak. So all these things I go, amen, yo, that's good, I like that. I think you should too. But the approach and the philosophy, the worldview of CRT is not biblical, it's not true, and it's not a teaching that we can embrace as followers of Christ. See, the CRT divides the world into oppressed and the oppressors. And you are one or the other. According to CRT, it highlights division. It's a Marxist form of teaching that used to separate the world in form of classes, the different classes in Russia particularly. But this CRT now separates the world by race. And so you are judged not by your action or your heart or your lifestyle or anything that you do, but you are judged solely by the color of your skin. And it categorizes us, therefore, black and white into oppressors and victims. 
And I just see that as really dangerous. I see it as hurtful. See, it gives no path to redemption because you can't change your skin color. No path to healing or advancement, no reconciliation. Your guilt is based upon something as superficial as the color of your skin. And therefore, it divides us. But remember that Christ came to break down the walls of division. One of the most beautiful things in the world is watching people who should be divided love each other. To watch, I love biracial marriages, watching what God does and bringing together people from different nations. People who come together that the world might say, how does that work? And it works because of Jesus. It works because Christ breaks down the walls that separate us. And it gives me hope. We talk about our hope is in you. The hope that we have is in Christ that he breaks down the walls and he gives us a future and a hope. The gospel never judges us by our skin color. And we just want to declare, I want to declare as a church, we've done this before, but God loves everybody. He died for the sins of everyone, from every nation, everyone created in the image of God. Even those who aren't doing well and doing evil things are fallen, but they were created beautifully in the image of God. And we reject racism in every single form that we can find it. And there's things we need to wake up on. There's things we need to learn. I get that. There's things we might be not knowledgeable on. That, let's learn. But there is a beauty in diversity. There is a beauty in the nations coming together. I've mentioned this before, but when I was in Korea a number of years ago, they brought together leadership, Christian leadership, from all over the world. There were 3,000 men and women from 187 different nations. And the last night they said, wear your national clothing. I didn't know what to wear. You know, a cowboy hat. I don't know. You know what, do you, what do you wear? You know, a t-shirt and blue jeans and a, I don't know. So we, I put a sport coat or something, you know. But the nations came and the, the beauty of the Zambians in their long flowing colored and, and the Nigerians and the Koreans and the Russian guy with his big black hat scared me. But, you know, the guy had a big hat and he had a staff and he had this like, and I'm like, whoa, this is, and it was like this real costume party and all colors, all languages, all nations and at one point they said, let's just worship God in your own mother tongue. Your, your mother tongue, let's take hands and worship Jesus. And we took hands and that place ignited. I mean, it was like nothing I'd ever experienced before. Just the nations together, all languages just shouting 
praising Jesus. And I thought, this is it. This is where God broke down all the walls. That I don't know what walls were there, but they were gone in Christ. And they didn't separate us from all, this group go over here, this group go over here. This, that isn't the way it was. We found our oneness in Christ. I just remember my thought, if I die now, I won't know it. If I died right now, I'd therefore be before the throne of God with all nations holding hands, worshiping the Lamb of God. That was about as close as I got to heaven on this side. We reject racism. and We celebrate the beauty there is in diversity. When I speak of diversity, I speak of the different colors, the different styles, the different languages, the different expressions. My other country is Dominican, and I miss them sometimes. I miss their dance. I miss their shouting, their celebration of life. During worship, the whole church dances. I miss that sometimes. I'm the white guy that can't dance, but I miss them. You know, because it's the beauty of that celebration. And we sell, each of us bring to the table something a little different. I think the kids really got it right. You know, kids often can get it right when we adults get it all messed up. And they sing red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children I'll edit it and say, and the adults and the old people of the world. And I just want us to hear the message. I want to circle back to Peter in his vision at Joppa. That the Spirit of God has been poured out on all peoples. It wasn't just the Jews. The message was, I am pouring out my Spirit on all peoples. I'm pouring out my spirit on Gentiles. And how did they know? Well, they began, the Holy Spirit fell on them right in the middle of the sermon. Didn't even wait till he was done. Peter's preaching about Jesus and how he died for our sins and was resurrected. In the middle of that, it just Holy Spirit couldn't wait any longer and boom, fell on everybody and they began to worship and speak in tongues and Peter was like, oh, this is what that vision meant. That what I have called unclean, God calls clean and beautiful. And Peter got it. And that's good news for everyone. That we are his family. That we are his family. And that skin color or nationality are not things that are called to divide us, but we're things that in Christ we are we just shatter those walls in Jesus' name. Amen? We just shatter them. We're people who take action to love on people who may look a little different from us or talk a little different, but we're those. I, I've questioned with the Afghanistan thing, and this isn't my notes either, but what is God calling us to do? Will there be Afghan families showing up here tomorrow saying, where do we stay? What do we do? I don't know. We're called to love the nations of the world. And I would challenge us, may you be a person that reconciles. 
May you be one that builds bridges, not walls. May you be one that invites people to Christ. You know, I like the way if Brad and I are both in love with Jesus and we're walking towards Jesus, the closer we get, the closer we get to each other. As we draw unity in Christ, we grow closer to each other. And that's the message of the gospel. I close circling back to Galatians 3.28. There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There's no male nor female. There's no black or white. For we, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. May we be reconcilers, bridge builders, and reject that which divides us in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you are the ultimate bridge builder, wall blower upper, one that um, helps us to love where the world says to hate or to run away. Lord, do that in us with grace and kindness, Lord. We love you and we thank you for the power of your word and how it applies to us even today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're our guest this morning, uh, welcome. I'll be out at the table out there at the Welcome Center to the left. I'd love to meet you personally. If you'd like someone to pray with you or seek the Lord with you, um, Steve's over here. We're going to ministry. Steve, out that door over there. Right over here in this area, right over here. Meet with Steve and our team. We love you guys. Enjoy what's left of our Minnesota summer. And greet somebody around you you haven't met. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.